Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to this week's edition of the Kingdom of Pod. Jeff Caves here in Flower Mound, Texas. Coming up, a tree fell and did anybody hear it fall? Does that mean the tree fell in the first place? We'll talk about Boise State and these level three recruiting violations or violations in the program. Plus, what about Boise State basketball playing at the Idaho Center or not? Is there a new backup plan for Brian Harson if things didn't work out in Auburn? A former Boise State football coach lands in the SEC. Is Dr. Trump a trendsetter? Is the Pac-12 getting priced out as well? All commentary coming up on this, the kingdom of pod. The big story, though, I think, this week was Boise State's athletes uh, in sports non-identified by Ron Counts and the Idaho Statesman. Four sports, though, named numerically, uh, received impermissible discounts on their rent at a off-campus housing complex, and they did it for about four years before the university figured it out. And the only way the university figured it out is some athlete came to him wanting a proof of performance that he was actually an athlete and would be eligible for this $41 per month discount. A couple of athletes ended up getting suspended on this. This was a Freedom of Information Act request from the Idaho Statesman, something as they explained in their piece that they do periodically to just keep up on that kind of news and information. Um, my side comment on that is that I think that's a useful uh, purpose for this Freedom of Information Act because that's nothing Boise State's going to be forthcoming about. It isn't flattering to the university, and we may have a right to know if they're breaking laws and don't want anybody to know about that specifically. I can understand that contrasted uh, with the request for private emails and personal emails uh, that could compromise further negotiations for Boise State with the American Athletic Conference. That's a different issue to me, at least. But back to this story, uh, these discounts were, were happening. They figured it out. They worked with the NCAA. It turned into a level three violation. Uh, they turned it in themselves to the NCAA. Uh, now, you know, December of 19, and when you look at a level three violation, the NCAA has deemed that it's isolated, limited, it has a minimal advantage in recruiting or any other advantage, and it doesn't really have anything to do with much more than a minimal impermissible benefit, even though 35 athletes at Boise State got this, only two were actually aware that they were receiving it. So it, it really has a... A lot of craziness to it. I didn't see it get much run amongst fans. Uh, certainly very little, if any, comments on the story itself at theidahostatesman.com. I didn't see any Twitter chatter about it, even broncocountry.com. I didn't see a big posting about it. 
So you wonder sometimes, you know, uh, as they say about trees, if they fall in the forest and nobody hears it, did the tree really fall? Well, here's a recruiting violation. It was settled. It was a, a done deal. And there is really no concern uh, about it. And I think I can understand that. Uh, it isn't a, I guess, a lack of institutional control uh, type of a violation. And it's refreshing that there is that kind of an attitude uh, towards this type of a story where people may have actually read all the way through it and realized that the NCAA came to grips with it and didn't penalize Boise State beyond the one-game suspensions that uh, the Boise State compliance people handed out themselves. And so it was a done deal. I, I think that's a, a good sign that uh, there isn't mass panic or other schools across the country pointing fingers that Boise State's cheating. Uh, I think it's a healthy sign in a time where we, we need a little bit more uh, healthy dialogue between you know people who are at odds on something. Uh, something like this comes along, and that's a pretty good deal. This, the Kingdom of Pod, I'll get to that backup plan for Brian Harson. Could there be one established now at another group of five school uh, in the country? But the other story this week that sort of came and left quite quickly is the prospects of Boise State basketball uh, moving and playing their games against UNLV specifically uh, at the Idaho Center in Nampa. Uh, typically, I don't get into the nuts and bolts of Boise State basketball. There's those that follow it closer and have much more insight into that piece of it. I've been around it for 36 years, just as long as I've been around Boise State football. And this is a potential magical season for Boise State you would think that they're on track to make the NCAA basketball tournament uh, at large. If they don't outright win the conference tournament, still a tremendous amount of work to be done on how they pull off the Mountain West tournament. Remember NCAA saying that if you want to play in the 64-team tournament or 68, uh, you've got to have seven consecutive negative COVID-19 tests. And that's made some schools a little skittish from uh, going to these conference tournaments a week before the NCAA and risking the travel and the other issues that can come up in hotels or down at the arena where you can't control uh, the environment quite as well. So uh, that's, I guess, down the road. But you know, getting there is what's important. And uh, playing and winning and getting into the NCAA tournament and winning these games against UNLV – uh, so important that Boise State thought that in order to get fans, uh, let's at least look into going to the Idaho Center. And I don't blame UNLV for saying, why would we want to do that? What's in it for us? Why would we want to risk uh, COVID exposure if you're going to let in up to 2,000 people, people we don't know, you've got to control, your own city says you shouldn't be doing this, you're going out somewhere else. And at the, at the end of the day, we're going to have fans rooting against us. So I I can completely understand why UNLV wanted nothing to do with this plan or Utah State or any other school that they had to ask about this. I thought it was a good effort. It was great that some of the boosters stepped up uh, to see Jeremiah Dickey drop everything that he's doing to pay attention to this. I think is another good sign that he was willing to roll up some sleeves and, and get involved when he has such huge uh, long-term planning and situations to deal with at Boise State right now that he uh, did want to understand the moment. And Boise State basketball, I think, 
is in the moment right now, hunting down what could be a historical uh, season for them. And at least they looked into it. They tried, and it didn't pass the test from the opponents. And then who knows where it fell politically uh, after that. Listen, we all know that the Super Bowl has come and gone. And for some of us, that means a long offseason. But NBA, college basketball, the NHL provide plenty of opportunities for you to make some bets, get some money in your pocket at betonline.ag is the only place you should go to start betting on these sports. And for some of us, you know, we don't do much betting on, say, college basketball, but it's getting down to the point where I think everybody's more interested. So Bet Online will not only uh, cover the games, but also the awards, TV shows, and even reality TV. So they've got hundreds of props there with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And, of course, a 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's all there at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Still to come, I'll get into the Pac-12 and whether or not they're going to be able to keep pace with the SEC and other schools when it comes to the college football department. But let's get into this backup plan idea I had for Brian Harson. You know, if and let's go past him for just a moment. He's got an agent or two, uh, sort of a tag team that are always thinking ahead for their clients, and I'm sure uh, they keep an eye on who goes where. And while it may have been a story that came and went and uh, we didn't really think uh, much about it, uh, I think it was fairly significant that a member of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee who represents the group of five from Arkansas State, uh, Terry Mahajer, uh, leaves Arkansas State and takes the job at Central Florida uh, he'd also worked at Kansas and Florida Atlantic. He's the new athletic director at Central Florida after theirs. Danny White took off for Tennessee. Uh, why is this interesting, at least? Well, Mahajer hired Brian Harson, and he plucked him out of Texas, put him in Arkansas State for a year, and then basically gave him the blessing and understood that Coach Harson wanted to go back to his alma mater as the head football coach, and that's what Coach Harson did in 2014. Uh, Mahajer also hired Blake Anderson, who's now at Utah State. And even, I, to me, more uniquely, just this recruiting, or excuse me, hiring cycle, he had to hire a football coach at Arkansas State because I just mentioned Blake Anderson took off for Utah State. So Mahajer hired Butch Jones. And so now he finds himself at Central Florida where he needs another football coach. So... He's going to hire two coaches for two different schools in the same hiring season. Now, I don't think that if I'm Brian Harson's agent, it's remotely feasible to talk to Brian Harson about turning down Auburn and going to Central Florida. That would be ludicrous. But let's go down the road a couple of years. Say Harson starts out hot, wins some games, maybe wins his division, knocks off Alabama. Uh, gets to a New Year's Day 6 bowl game, does or doesn't win it. Uh, we've seen combinations of all this stuff play out with, say, Houston Nutt at Arkansas. And down the road, maybe in year three, uh, they have a bumpy uh, road. It doesn't go as well as they'd like. Uh, they're going into what his agent or fans or maybe even Coach Harson would, would deem uh, the critical year, that if he doesn't make it, 
there won't be an extension offered and he'll cash out. Could an early exit plan include going to a Central Florida where at that time, you know, in a couple, three, four years, who knows where they're at? They've been at the near the top or at the top of Group of Five football with all their uh, New Year's Day six appearances in the last uh, seven years or so. It's it's hard to deny. They've had a tremendous streak on, on what they've gotten done. Could that be a soft landing spot uh, should things not ultimately work out for Coach Arson? Because if they do work out, he can stay at Auburn. He can go to the NFL from there. You know, have a lot of different choices, but it's more about at what point do you start contemplating Eh, do I really want to stick around for this? They're being unreasonable with me, or I don't like it, and, and I'd like to leave while the uh, iron is hot, per se. I, I, I'm only suggesting these are the kinds of connections that if you're the agent for Brian Harson, you want to hold on to because he's got a relationship with somebody like this. Uh, he's well-respected. He's at a place that could afford to pay somebody. So that could be a relationship in the future uh, that will be to me, pretty interesting. Let, let's stay on this subject and talk about the unintended consequences of how Boise State did their hire after Harson took off. Is Trump now a trendsetter? Uh, I think there was enough criticism, some of which I think I had, uh, that you know, why do you think you need to wait to hire your football coach uh, just because you don't have an athletic director? You know, let's get out there, get the football coach done, because every single day, transfers, recruiting momentum, uh, coaches are being hired by others. You, you lose uh, valuable time. And I, I wouldn't have been upset as a alum, fan, a commentator, whatever you want to, I guess, categorize myself if they'd have hired their football coach first and then went out and got their athletic director. Uh, but that's not what Dr. Trump thought was best. And so uh, she pushed up the timeline to hire an athletic director to replace Kurt Apsey from March all, all the way up into uh, December, January. And so that's what happened. Uh, they hired their AD, and then a couple of weeks later, they hired their coach. And at the time, you know, we thought, well, uh, they did get it done uh, pretty quickly. And now Tennessee found themselves in the same situation. They needed both a athletic director and head football coach. And they took the Boise State approach and said, nah, uh, let's get our athletic director first, and then we'll get our coach. And now Central Florida finds himself in the same situation as Boise State, and they followed suit by first hiring their athletic director from Arkansas State, and now they'll go out and look for their head coach. So I always thought the timelines that were given initially by Boise State for their athletic director were too long, but that's easy for me or us to say because our plate is consumed by football and Dr. Trump's plate is consumed with the entire health of the university. So totally understandable and different if she felt March was a more realistic time frame. I'm sure there were other reasons for all of that. Yet at the same time, right now you'd have to say her hire of Jeremiah Dickey was a home run hire and things worked out for the best. We'll get to the Pac-12 getting somewhat priced out in an abbreviated edition of the Kingdom of Pod on Boise State football from the Believe Podcast Network. Really not a lot of breaking or big news about Boise State football, so I just don't want to make it up. But I do have some observations. Uh, a good news for Eric Kisa, if you had not heard, uh, he was somebody that I, I you know, went from a nominee for the best assistant coach in the country from the uh, Broyles people in 2000. Uh, 1920 uh, to unemployed 
And uh, what a shame. Uh, a guy that took over the offensive coordinator job, did a great job. I, I mentioned got nominated for this award. And then when the dust settles, uh, I'm sure Brian Harson took a look at Coach Keesaw and said, well, what's he qualified to do? Well, he's qualified to be an offensive coordinator or wide receivers coach um, by his experience. And I think that Coach Harson said I need, he felt he needed uh, somebody that had a lot more experience as an SEC play caller, and, and that's what he went out and did with Coach Bobo, and he became the offensive coordinator and brought an offensive line coach with him. It's a pretty good package deal for Auburn. And at the wide receiver coaching position, not unusual to find uh, one of your better recruiters on the team at that spot. Uh, a skilled guy who comes from that area, who understands the recruiting territory in the SEC. And that doesn't necessarily describe uh, Eric Kisa. So he has been hired as a senior offensive uh, analyst for Auburn. Uh, Coach Kisa, by reputation, is a great film evaluation guy. He's a good installer. Uh, he can help in other ways. If you go back and look at Coach Kisa's past, he did a similar job for Alabama. Uh, he worked with Coach Saban there, and one of the specialties that Coach Kesaw helped Alabama with was the no-huddle offense, and that was something that he was quite skilled in, and Coach Saban wanted a better handle on it, so he brought in Coach Kesaw to help Alabama uh, with that, and that was before Coach Kesaw, of course, uh, was at Boise State. Uh, at Auburn, uh, Cornelius Williams is a new wide receivers coach in his first year in the SEC. Uh, he's new to the job. He's new to the conference. He's new to the school. He was at Troy University for six years. Uh, he has roots in the area. He's from Birmingham. He played at the famous Hoover High School in Alabama. He was a tremendous high school football player and went on to do great things at Troy. And so now he's kind of coming home, has some great recruiting credit. He's a, a six-year experienced uh, coach and has been recruiting in Alabama in that territory. So he gets the job at Auburn as the wide receivers coach. Uh, and Coach Kesaw will come in as an analyst, I'm sure, to help mentor uh, Cornelius Williams and, and also help that uh, Auburn offense. So uh, good for him, uh, a tremendous guy who did a lot for Boise State, uh, somewhat understated, but uh, I thought he was a tremendous addition to the Boise State staff, and I wish him the best at Auburn uh, with Coach Harson. Uh, this was interesting that uh, was put out this week. It was a big story in the athletic uh, it, it is a web portal that I still belong to, even though they don't write about Boise State anymore, as they did with Dave Southern, but they decided to eliminate that Boise State beat because, frankly, they didn't get enough subscriptions to, to justify being able to pay Dave. Uh, but I stuck with it. I just thought they did a great in-depth job on college football, what I like to read most about. And there was another piece here about Pete Kwiatkowski, a former Boise State coach who left Washington for Texas to take over as the defensive coordinator uh, with Steve Sarkeesian. And there really is no facts yet on how much money Pete Kwiatkowski left for from Texas after being at the University of Washington. Uh, I've not seen a published salary number at Texas for him. So the speculation is that it's a $2 million job. Uh, he was making a, a little over a million at Washington. And 
I, I doubt that they, you know, according to Jen Cohen, their athletic director, they were never even given an opportunity to compete with the Texas offer. So if you read back to what Coach Kukowski had to say to the athletic upon leaving Washington for Texas, he didn't say it was for money. He said that it was for a new challenge, something different, somewhere to go. You know, Coach Pete was somebody he was close to. I'm sure that has a little bit to do with it. I don't know that for a fact. I've never spoke to him about this personally. Uh, but I don't think it should be much of a a stretch to know that, from what I have known of Coach Kukowski, here's a guy that really speaks when spoken to. His words matter. Uh, he's an X and O's guru, highly respected in college football. And here he was, the defensive coordinator at one of the best defenses in the Pac-12 and the best defenses in the country for several years. And Coach Pete comes to him and says, you know what? Uh, Jimmy Lake's an ambitious guy. He wants to be the coordinator and has indicated, and I'm putting words in Pete's mouth at this point, uh, but he's basically saying that if he can't be the coordinator, he's going to take off. And uh, we need him around here. We think he's great. Uh, would you consider taking a step back? I'll leave your pay alone, Coach Kukowski, but I'm going to make uh, I'd like to see if you would allow him to be the coordinator. Pete Kukowski said yes, <laughs> and that's what happened. He took a step back, kept his pay. Somebody else got the title, and in the contract that Jimmy Lake had at Washington as the defensive coordinator, heck, he'd have made $1.7 million, I think, coming up. But, of course, he became the head football coach and was making is making a lot more than that. I never saw that he came to Krakowski upon taking the head coaching job at Washington and wanted to increase his pay significantly. So that may have bothered Pete Krakowski. I don't know. Uh, if you were Pete Krakowski and uh, you had somebody come to your boss and say, hey, I can do the job as well or better than him, uh, and if I don't, I'm going to take off, and you know, ultimately that happened, uh, you know, I, I how would that relationship be <laughs> where Kukowski would say, you know what? Uh, I think I'd rather go take a big pay raise and get a new challenge and sort of reboot the whole thing. So that potentially may be the way this all came down, but it doesn't really, to me, get away from this idea that the Pac-12 or the University of Washington is not going to be able to compete for coaches across the country. And, you know, based on the revenue model, that college football uses the television contracts dictating who's got money and who doesn't. Okay. The SEC is always going to dominate. And when I dug further as the athletic did into the numbers, the university of Washington uh, leads the PAC 12 in revenue of the schools that report it. Remember that would not be USC and Stanford, but they league and they lead the league in reported revenue of about $134 million nationally. That puts them 23rd, 23rd nationally in reported revenue. Now, included in this group that is in front of them are 10 schools from the SEC, seven from the Big Ten, three from the ACC, and two, and you can guess which, two from the Big 12. So how are they ever going to compete with that? That's how far behind the number one revenue-producing school in, and I'll just say Washington probably produces more money than Southern Cal because of the way they would report income. But there they have 
a school that leads the league, and they're 23rd nationally. <laughs> Ten schools in the SEC ahead of them. I, I don't know how that's ever going to change, but one way. Until you have, and I don't think we ever will, a fundamental change in how you run your entire university. Look at Clemson, as they did in the athletic article. It is a high priority to Clemson University to be a high-achieving college football program. Once you say that, you have to execute that. It has to be part of who you are. Some schools have med schools, law schools, engineering schools, ag schools. Go down the list. Some schools are football schools, and that's what they represent. That's part of what their fan base, what the community, what the alums, uh, what the administrators all above them want. And I don't think I can say that about many schools in the Pac-12, that all of those community of people want a football program to get a disproportionate amount of money than any other entity on campus. And until that happens, then they're not going to be able to keep up with some of these other schools because it's more important to those other schools. And that's not a bad or a good thing. I just think that that is the difference in the West. It's not as important, and it's got a long way to go to get there. It is it is as important to some people, for sure. But collectively, there's not enough of them. Just read what is important to some of the cities in the Northwest, uh, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, uh, Eugene, and, and you're going to find a different story. You're just going to find a different story in what is important to some of those schools and the communities. So until that changes, which I don't think will happen in my lifetime, I don't think we're going to see much of a difference. All right, that's it. That's this week's edition of the Kingdom of Pod, uh, the Boise State Believe Podcast Network. I hope you'd enjoy it. If you would like to get these podcasts sent right to your email, you can go to kingdomofpod.mailchimpsites.com. Please rate, review uh, this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast if it's not through the subscription and let other people know about it. And I'll talk to you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.